Thank you to our worship team, our tech team, and pastors, leaders here for the opportunity this morning to, to speak the word of God and to all of you to know that our God is greater than anything that you have ever faced in your life. The word about, that we're speaking about today, when, and I want to say this, I do a little preaching and teaching and a lot of times demonstrating the word of God. What does that mean? Well, I walk around and I go crazy, right? I, I speak things to you that I don't know about. But I'm excited that God has chosen this Amish boy from Kelowna, Iowa, and transformed his life. I look Amish, right? I got a beard. Uh, no. And allowed me, I mean, never in my wildest dreams would I have thought that I would go to the nations and preach the gospel. And my mom loved us, showed us love. My father was a pastor in the Amish church. I didn't want to be a pastor. I, I knew what they went through. <laughs> Hard times. And I said, I will serve you, Lord, but I don't want to preach. <laughs> Guess what? God knows better, right? So we're here today because I've submitted to God. Hallelujah. And where our message, our, our sermon title, and, and the theme for this month is open hands. Offering what you have. Offering what you have. Do you know that God can change your situation when you give? That he can change the things you thought would never change because you believe the lie that the enemy has spoken are you hearing me? You believe the lie the enemy has spoken to you and, and the enemy has said what you're doing, what you're in is never going to change. But see, that's a lie because we know that the word of God shows us different and teaches us different. Amen? Amen. We know that there are miracles waiting for you every day. So people who are open-handed do what? They give freely. They are kind. It doesn't matter what they give, what gift they give, what talent they use, how much money they give, because they're open-handed. What does it really mean to live open-handed? Well, I know what it means to live close fist. Because when you live close fist, you try to control every situation you're in. Are you hearing me? We grasp a hold of that. We're not going to let go of that. We hang on to it. And guess what? God doesn't bless it. And it shows that we can't control everything. It shows that it's impossible. So when we open our hands, it's a sign of what? Surrender. We surrender our control into the spiritual kingdom. This is where God blesses it. This is where God blesses you. This is where God works the miracles. This is where things change. Hallelujah. So when we release the control that we've had, things begin to move. 
See, God wants us to be generous. What does that mean? That means being ready to go and do what you're told or to go beyond what is expected. To be generous means to go the second mile. Jesus taught us that. But let's look at our first scripture verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 6, 7, and 8. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get what? A generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need. And what? Plenty left over to share with others. Hallelujah. So the principle of God's kingdom is when we are generous giver, we open our hands that God moves in miraculously, takes what we have and what we have sown and gives us more than enough. You're quiet. You can amen me today. You can say glory to God. Ouch. Hallelujah. Jesus said, whoever, we'll go to Matthew 5, verse 41. Just some of the principles that Jesus taught. If a soldier demands you to carry his gear for a mile, do what? Carry it two miles, right? Verse 44. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. That's hard to do. But guess what? We have an example in the Bible of an enemy of the church. His name was Saul. And the church prayed. Even though they were persecuted, they were driven out and scattered around. They prayed for Brother Saul until his name was changed to Paul. He had an encounter from the Holy Spirit. The Shekinah glory of God knocked him down. And he was ready to what? Repent and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? See, God works in the miraculous. We think most of the time in the natural. But God works in the supernatural. Hallelujah. So we can move on. The seed, there's power in the seed. I want to talk about the seed for a few moments. I get the question, did you plant this spring when it was time to plant? If you did, then you should be having a harvest or soon you will receive a harvest because the seed that you plant, if it's watered and taken care of, will grow and produce fruit. Jesus was going to feed the 5,000. Pastor talked about it. And he said to the disciples, what do we have? And they went around and they found what? Five loaves and two fishes. And there's 5,000 people to feed. Can you imagine that? That's not enough. But here's what they did. Jesus said, give it to me. He took it. He looked up in the heavens. He broke it and blessed it. And guess what? Every time they came to get some more from Jesus, they fed all of the 5,000 people, plus it says women and children. And of course, there were no leftovers, right? How could there be leftovers from five loaves and two fishes? But the amazing thing is, Jesus said, go gather the leftovers. And there was what? 12 baskets full of leftovers. Open your hands and see 
what God will do with what he has given you. Hmm. What am I saying about the seed? Plant it. Let it go. Because you know what? A seed has to die before it brings, comes to life, right? We need to learn that principle. So when we plant seeds into the kingdom of God, seeds that we don't control, guess what happens? God moves supernaturally. Hallelujah. In the natural, you plant tomatoes. What do you get? You get tomatoes. You plant radishes. You get radishes. You plant carrots. You get carrots. Because each one has a time of maturity and the natural law that is in the seed takes over. So what the Lord is saying this morning, we need to learn to bring what he's given us, what we have to him. Let him take what you have and break it up. Take it out of your control. And then watch him bless it and see what begins to happen in your life. Now, we give... $10 so we can get 100 That's the wrong idea. We give $10 because, let's say, that's the tithe. We do that because it's the word of God and it's his command. So when we do that, we enter into a spiritual realm that this mind cannot grasp. Because God is not in addition. He's in the supernatural. He multiplies. Hallelujah. What did I read about in that verse 8 of 2 Corinthians? For God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always have all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Can we say something that hopefully will resonate in your spirit? Let's say the word always. In all things. things. And abundance. abundance. Let that sink into your spirit. Because that's the God that we serve today. You say, but you don't know the financial problems I'm having. No, I don't. Or you don't know the family problems I'm having. No, I don't. But I know one who does and who cares and has already heard your prayers. Hallelujah. And he's beginning to work something as you are open-handed and giving, miracles start taking place, all right? I'll go on. I know that my time is short. But when you plant in God's spiritual vineyard, hallelujah, what I like is that God can take that seed out of its natural, supposedly, maturity time. I'm talking about the spiritual kingdom. And he can say, now, be healed. One minute, one second, or two months from now. If it takes 90 to 120 days for corn, when you plant that seed of corn to grow into a stalk and that ear to mature, well, we think, wow, that's great. But when you plant it in the vineyard, spiritual vineyard that God has for us, he takes it out of its natural germination, if you will. It's a natural plan of the seed. And he takes it into a spiritual realm. Hallelujah. Hmm.
And that's why it's very important that when we pray with our problems, you know, we knew someone that was going to go to court because of something they had done. And the family asked us to pray. And so we prayed, and this is what we prayed. Lord, take it out of the courtroom and bring it into the throne room. See, there's where the just judge makes the decisions. And if we can have that kind of faith, you will be amazed at what God will do. That man was supposed to go to prison, but he didn't go to prison. So in one minute, you can receive a miracle, or an instant, you can receive a miracle, a healing, a deliverance, a way set free from addictions, have families restored. Anything is possible. The list goes on and on. So we, as open-handed believers, we surrender to give. We surrender to give. But it's called faith. It's called faith, right? (laughs) So we give by faith. We live by faith. We go by faith. We walk by faith. We go to the nations by faith. We read and study God's word and believe by faith. Because what? The Bible says in Romans 10 and verse 17. You all know it, but it's going to be on the screen there. So faith comes from hearing, and that is hearing the good news about Christ. Our faith is strengthened as we hear stories of miracles and people's lives being changed. And then when we read the word, whew, and we see all of the things that God done, has done for his people, say, I'm going to stand on that promise for my life. I'm going to claim this for my children. I'm going to claim this for my family. I'm going to claim these verses for financing because I love to give. And we know that God's going to work a miracle for us. I'm going to go on. When we open our hands and give, we learn to do what? We learn to trust God. If you don't trust God, there's going to be big problems. When you plant a seed in the natural, your faith is really high because on the package it says maturity in 23 days or maturity in 36 days. So you believe it. There's no question you believe that, right? But when you plant in the spiritual realm, many of us, our faith is pretty small because what we do is based on our works, not on his. And on our thoughts and our our understanding of the word. So we don't receive the miracle that we've expected because we get in the way. We want to take charge. We don't want to let go of that seed. (laughs) But we have to get to the place where we trust God by faith that things are going to work out in your finances, in your children, in your workplace. It goes on and on. And I have to keep going. When we understand that God has our best interests in his mind, in his plan, then we can be free to do what he asks us to do. See, most of the time in the natural, you don't know for sure if you can trust the next person beside you, even if you're nice to them and kind to them and give them things, because you don't know how they're going to react or how they're going to treat you. 
But we do know this, that when you seed into the kingdom of God, that you can trust him, that he will treat you right, that you are in his best interest and in the plan that he has for your life. Amen? I want to talk about closed fists for a moment. Did you know if you keep your fists closed, you can't reach as far? <laughs> and you know what? If you keep them closed, you can't receive very hard. If you threw something at me, Pastor, it'd be hard for me to catch it because I have my fists closed, right? But if I open my hands. But also, to some people, it's a sign of war, <laughs> of a fight. You keep your fists closed. You and me, brother, we're going round and round, right? <laughs> no, we open our hands. So did you plant a seed? That's what I want to know. Did you plant a seed? If you haven't planted a seed, you won't have any fruit. You won't have any harvest. There will be lots of needs. Now, we see this all over the world. People with absolutely nothing, very, very poor. Part of it's because they live in constant drought, and uh, maybe the soil is very poor. Others... We see where the government's corrupt and they keep all the money and hold all the food. Uh, Sudan, for instance, is one place that the U.S. has sent thousands and thousands of tons of food. It never gets to the people. It rots and is eaten by rats in warehouses. One-third of the world's supply is consumed by rodents. Can you believe that? But sometimes... Well, listen to this. It's sometimes it's because people are what? lazy. I don't, we don't want to go there, do we? They're uneducated. They're literally starving, yet the soil is very fertile. And it could produce a wonderful crop if they would just go out and till it. And that's why the parable of Matthew 25 is so important. We'll go to verse 26 of Matthew 25. But the master replied, he's talking about the servant that only had one talent that took it and buried it in the ground. The one that got five reproduced, the one that got two reproduced, but the one that only got one buried it in the ground. And this is the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops and I didn't plant and gather crops, I didn't cultivate. And then we jump to verse 29. For those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. See, our God is a giver. For God so loved the world that he gave. That's who he is. That's lie of God that we serve. He's into abundant living. You're quiet. He's into what? Abundant living. He doesn't want you poor. He doesn't want you living from paycheck to paycheck. He wants you to have a little more so that you can extend your hands and do what? Give and share what you have been given. If you're not going to open your hands and be generous and give, and we're not talking about just money, but in the gifts and talents that God has gifted you with. If you're not going to be generous 
I really wonder where your faith is. Are you really a believer? I, I really wonder that because the Bible is so plain about being generous and giving because he has given to us. He's given us that grace and mercy where we should go to hell. He stepped in and interceded for us. Maybe you love you better than you love God or you love your body or your things better than God. And you say, well, shouldn't I take care of my body? Of course you should. You should be diligently taking care of yourself. But it goes way beyond I and I need and all of those things that we voice. Open hands or fists? Which one do you want? Open hands or fists? Which one's better? Of course, the open hands, right? Hallelujah. Let's talk about how God blesses the giver just for a few moments. And we read a verse that you've all heard about, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. And if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room Enough room. What? Enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. And I know there's some of you out there saying, but the word tithe is not in the New Testament. And I don't believe in tithing. But what did Jesus pull out of that fish's mouth? There was a coin. And they were testing him on one side. He said, give to Caesar that which is Caesar's, but give to God that which is God's. It talks more about giving in the New Testament than it does in the Old. It goes way beyond the tithe, if you will. So break that stronghold off your body. But did you see what it says? Just in the tithe, being obedient in giving of the tithe, what God will do. Just being obedient in the tithe. Wow, that God will work a miracle for you. And he will change your situation just by you giving the tithe. How much more will he do if you go beyond the tithe? If you give just a little more? I know a lady, she's very faithful in giving her tithes, but if her check was $457.12, she would give exactly 10% of that check. $40. And all the way to the penny. Never rounded it off. That's okay. She's blessed. But how much more would God do if you gave just a little beyond that? You know, Christians, you know, he goes on to say that he'll rebuke the devourer for our sake when we're obedient in the tithe. Pastor, you can thank me later, but people, you need to give. You need to give. Now, I'm not just talking about money, but you need to be obedient in your giving. He says, I will then step in and Rebuke the one that comes to devour and take away. And also, the nations will call you what? Blessed. Because they see the miraculous work that God is doing in your life. They see what God is doing. They see the hope that you have, the joy you have, the generosity you have. They see you and they say, I want to be like that. And you are a blessed people. Hallelujah. Open Bible, you're a blessed people. But it says, statistics say that only 20% of the Christians do 80% of the work. 
when we realize how much God loves us and we, we get a hold of the teachings of the word, we should be giving, what, 100%. Our son used to work at a restaurant. They had trouble finding waiters and waitresses on Sunday. Guess why? The Christians come in and they don't tithe. This is true. Shame on us. The Christians come in and they don't tithe. And Shirley and I have been blessed to travel many, many nations of the world, I think 42 to be exact, and many of those nations, the flags are up on the back. And sometimes the people we were with invited other people to come. We had a team, one time a team of 18 and others less. But in every time that we've had people with us, we can categorize those people into two different groups. Do you want to hear those groups? Givers, always be blessed. And the second group are takers. They don't have their hands extended. They have them right here. And the takers, would you believe, you're supposed to meet down the lobby at 8 o'clock. Guess when they come? 8.10 or 8.05. So we go to the church. The last one's out of the church. We have to wait on them to get in the car. They're the takers. We go to the restaurant to eat. Oh, this food is terrible. Wait for a couple of This food's awful. Everybody else thought it was great. You say, I'm meddling. Yes, I am. I'm meddling because God doesn't want us to be takers. He wants us to be open-handed. Moving on. Okay. I'll get out of that. Let's go to Proverbs 11:24. Hallelujah. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The next verse. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Hallelujah. We talk about King Solomon. He was the wisest man that has ever lived but he was also one of the wealthiest that ever lived because he was generous. He gave King Haram one time for giving gifts to him. He turned around and gave him 20 cities, 20 cities. He was generous. And then King Sheba, the queen of Sheba, came to check him out because she heard about the fame of Solomon. And when she came and saw the joy that people, that says the men and the servants had in their heart in giving and sharing, she said, the half has not even been told me. And she released and gave him so much. Unbelievable. Give freely. Jesus said something that's very true. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. And they don't have it up there, but in Matthew 15, 8, if you want to write it down and look it for yourself. They draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, 
but there's a problem. Their heart is far from me, and the Lord then says, in vain they worship me. In the days that we're living in today, if I were you, and I'm not, I would want to make sure that I'm serving God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my might. It's not just an act or a name. I'm a Christian. It needs to be a change of our heart. It needs to be something that is real to us. Judgment is coming on this earth. Hmm. Trials, big problems, maybe persecutions in America. I don't know. You say, I don't want to hear that stuff. Well, maybe we should talk about what's going on. Every prophecy about Jesus coming is being fulfilled almost daily in this book. And it tells us these things are going to be here. These things are going to come to pass. And unless we have a relationship with the Lord, we may be put in prison. We may be hung. We don't know. We don't know. That's really pretty cruel, pretty severe to say that. But we will be persecuted. And some of us already are. Because why? Because there's evil men controlled by the Satan himself that want to control you and me. They want to take away your freedom. They want to take away your home, your house, your job, your money. Everything that you are part of, your children especially, teaching them that they can change their gender. No, come on. These are the kind of evil people that we're facing today. And if I was you, I want to make sure my heart is right. Sold out. But I'm not you. You have to decide that. So can the church stop what's coming? Not all of it, because it's prophesied that it's going to happen. But there are some scripture verses I want to read for you. In 2 Chronicles 7.14. All of you know this. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their land. And my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. For I have chosen. Now the Lord showed me this is a prophecy for this place. I've chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy. A place where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. It was talking about Solomon's temple, but I believe that, that, as you know, we are now the temple of the living God. When we give our life to the Lord, we become that temple. And so the Lord is saying to you and me, you are a place that I have set apart with my word. You are an individual where I want you to be holy. You are the man and woman that I have chosen as a remnant for this season. That's what the Lord is saying. I have chosen you to carry my word into the next generation. Hallelujah. So in in the closing, and I get at least two or three, but in closing, (laughs) 
do you want a continual harvest? And the answer is yes. I I want God to bless me all the time. I want to be where the river flows. So open hands ministry is about you giving freely. But if you don't have, how can you give? If you don't have anything really, how can you give? So again, the Lord is saying that we need a continual harvest for ourselves so that we can continually be givers, open-handed. And we all know this verse in John 15, 16, you didn't choose me, but I chose you, I've chosen you, that you should do what? I've appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. How do you get fruit? Plant a seed. That if your fruit should remain or last forever, the Lord is showing me that authority now is being passed on to you. What, What do you mean? That apple tree that you planted five years ago now is bearing apples, right? Or that young child you taught in Sunday school is now a spiritual leader. Hallelujah. That young person you mentored in teens is now traveling the world, ministering the gospel. That one that you sat beside when they were broken and needed a healing and held their hand and prayed for them, they are now victorious. That's fruit of the seed that you have sown. And the Lord says, when you see that fruit and that fruit comes forth, that remaining fruit, he passes his authority on to us as believers. And when we pray... I want you to catch this because the Lord spoke very strongly to me. When you pray, when you have fruit that remains, when you see the results of your prayers and you're living in that abundance because you have learned how to give, the Lord says, now when you pray, I open my ears to you. See, remaining fruit gives us authority and power to pray In the name of Jesus, we need to claim victory for ourselves. God's ears are always open to those who are in unity with him. So you want a continual harvest? And by the way, our friends here on the front row, Tom and Beth Cook, are missionaries to Spain. They've been there for over 30 years. They have five children. They're all in the States and have grandchildren. But they're going back Thursday back to Spain. But Brother Tom gave me this principle once. He said, you want a continual harvest? What do you do? You plant every day. You want to be blessed? You sow something every day in the kingdom of God because it will come back to you daily then. You understand that principle? So if it takes 90 days... For corn to mature. And because you planted corn 90 days or you planted corn every day till now, you're going to continue to receive a harvest on and on and on. Hallelujah. So, we have to sow something every day in the kingdom of God. It might be a phone call. It might be passing a little cash to somebody behind you. It might be just telling somebody you love them, care for them. How is that possible? Because, you know, we're pretty weak. It's possible because God sent the Holy Spirit down to help us. He said, I'm going to send you a helper, 
a comforter, someone who will bring revelation to you, somebody who will show you how to do things. So it's through the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that we learn how to give and to come into alignment with the plan of God for our lives and those who are watching us and following us. A great life, the abundant life, is for all of us because God is an abundant God. We have to understand that. For all of you, yes, all of you. You say, but you haven't seen my checkbook. You haven't seen how many debts we have. No, I haven't. How about visiting the throne room? Mm -hmm. Bring your petitions before the Lord. So when we <laughs> open our hands and surrender to God, can I say stop trying to control everything? Stop trying to control everything because it's not in your control. Instead, open your hands and let the power of God flow into your life. Hallelujah. You know, the, some of you may have a lot of things out of control. Janice, will you come? And the worship team come. There's a lot of things that may be out of your control. And we all have things that seemingly are out of our touch, out of our control. And a lot of things are messed up. But guess what? God is in control. He's not messed up. <laughs> There's no confusion in the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. There's no problems in the kingdom of heaven. 